Welcome to the Ink and Think Hour, where two best friends discuss cartoons like they're high art, because they are. Episode 5, Bambi. So, Jeremy, I feel like we barely talked at all during this one. So yeah. I actually don't totally know how you felt about it for once. Usually we there's some kind of vocal reaction. Uh, do you want me to just come out and say it? Go for it. This is my least favorite of the five we've uh, watched so far. Oh man, I was I was wondering if if we would get finally hit a point where we got some trademark Jeremy spice. <laughs> so you really didn't like it, huh? No. Do you want uh, to elaborate on why? I just I found it really meandering and the stakes didn't really feel high until the end and then they were all of a sudden life or death mm-hmm. that's true it, it escalates very quickly after yeah. failing to escalate several times in places where it might have been interesting <laughs> for it to escalate. um so let's maybe do a little bit of backstory first sure, so then yeah. we can hop into your fury over bambi <laughs> so bambi was released in 1942 Supervising director is David Hand. It's based on a novel by Felix Sultan, which is Bambi, A Life in the Woods, originally for adults and not for children. I mean, I think that this film is also more aimed towards adults Arguably than not for children. It It's interesting. We'll talk about it because I almost agree and disagree at the same time. Sure. Um, I think it's kind of confusing tonally in that way. So this was originally intended to be the second feature of the Disney studio, but because they had a challenging time adapting it from a text originally meant for older (laughs) audiences, and in particular because there were challenges in animating deer because they're really uniquely, you know, they're not, you can draw a round shape and make a hippo, but um, deer have these like really long gangly legs and these these hips that kind of jut back, and in particular the antlers, which are really, really spatially complex. Right. They were saying that they they cheated a lot and made them more blob-like and Snow White, but they really wanted to create an animated deer that felt real and accurate to nature in this one, and so development got pushed back and back and back. And I think that they were relatively successful in that. Yeah, I think that the animation, again, is beautiful. Uh, Mm -hmm. Coming off of Dumbo, which was economic and simplified this seems to be a return to form of the incredibly detailed intricate yeah or at least in sections i would say i would say that there's a lot of after you pointed it out in the last film uh, the partial animation yeah Yeah. i noticed a lot of it this time around yeah okay interesting so two trivia facts that i found out about bambi is that one this was one of walt disney's favorite movies he ever made Hmm. and two Paula Winslow voices the mother, and John Sutherland voices adult Bambi, and they got married in real life. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, Oedipus Complex. <laughs> well, I mean, she's not his real mother. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's quite a meet cute. It is comforting to know that both teenage and adult Bambi sound like 40-year-old men in a way that maybe Teenage Thumper doesn't. Okay, I didn't really uh, notice that. Yeah, no, I thought that teenage Bambi was just like, now all of a sudden you're a full-grown man. <laughs> um, yeah, he teen- doesn't have like the squeaky voice teen. Yeah, whereas His voice teenage- isn't breaking. Teenage Thumper and Teenage Flower both have more teenage sounding voices. It almost feels like there's a part in the movie, not to jump ahead, but there's a part in the movie where young Bambi leaves for a while and then comes back. 
And it's almost like the movie was sending him away to get his awkward teen years out of the way. <laughs> and then when he comes back, he's like a dignified young adult. I mean, to be fair, this is a technique we will see used again in The Lion King. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities to The Lion King in this yeah. movie. So do you want to give us a summary of what Bambi is about since you loved it so much? <laughs> sure. So Bambi is the story of a young deer from birth until near death. Near death? Uh, yeah, when he almost dies after he is shot at. Okay, and... that's not that's not the way that most people would interpret that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it includes uh, his reproduction. Um, at the very end. So it's it's from birth to adulthood. Somehow it, it ends with his reproduction is even worse. <laughs> it follows his life, his childhood into his growth into an adult. Yes, and it um, just kind of meanders through those things. Yeah, I mean, there, there are certainly um, storylines within within that central premise where Bambi discovering winter for the first time the, the most conflict we get really is there's a persistent reminder that man hunts in the woods occasionally, mm. which uh, eventually comes to get Bambi's mother. But beyond that, it really is a series of vignettes of forest life to the point where I found it quite painterly mm-hmm. in the way that it, yeah. it ran, I guess. Sure. I thought about it a lot as like an animated documentary mm-hmm. almost where it... I mean, we spend a whole tenth of the movie watching Bambi struggle to stand up. Yeah. And another tenth of the movie is just animals saying hi to Bambi. Mm -hmm. A lot of the movie is invested in really authentically, as far as cartoons go, recreating the, the movement and the behavior and the imagined feelings and emotions of a deer. Yeah. In the most realistic way possible, for a cartoon ostensibly designed for children. Yeah, and that doesn't preclude a couple of sequences in which there are more cartoony things happening. Mm-hmm. In particular, Friend Owl. They're who, curmudgeonly, they have a curmudgeonly owl friend who detests love. Uh, and he gets maybe the most cartoonish stuff. I think so. Um, the most cartoonish stuff uh, comes near the end when all of the boys are falling in love for the first time and all of a sudden they become like Looney Tunes characters. <laughs> uh, there is a scene where Flower uh, Flower the skunk gets a kiss uh, and his entire body turns red. Yeah, and, and then into a rectangle that then like topples over. Yes. Which I thought was the most jarring piece of animation because all of a sudden he's a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. But, uh, so... That's kind of Bambi, really. Like, I don't know how much it makes sense to do our our typical chronological walkthrough. Yeah. Because I, I don't really know what to say about this is a great scene where Bambi is learning to walk. Or this is a <laughs> this is like a five minute scene where Bambi slides around on the ice. Which is really fun. Um Don't lie. <laughs> I I think that overall I don't like the movie. Like I can't I can't think of who I would recommend this to. Mm-hmm. So let, but, maybe let's talk about what I think is the most interesting part of the movie, which is yeah. Bambi's weird dad. <laughs> In the sense that... The prince? The, the gra- great prince? The great prince. Mm-hmm. When Bambi is born, we see standing on a hill, like virtually in another continent from his um, partner that's just given birth, this, this majestic deer that they say has been 
is old and wise and brave and has been alive for double the time as any other deer in the forest and and that the forest confers upon him a level of respect that makes him into a prince not a king interestingly Mm -hmm. but the great prince of the forest and so bambi when he's born is the little prince Mm -hmm. Um, and all of the animals gather sort of in a way similar to the circle of life from the lion king yeah to see the to see the new little prince Mm mm-hmm And Bambi is mostly raised by his mother. His dad only pops in once in a while, usually in a startling fashion. Um, And usually when humans are around. Usually when humans are around. And does not really seem to contribute to the raising of his child. No. Which maybe is true to nature. But from a human perspective, definitely makes him look a weird withholding uh, deadbeat dad. Yeah, yeah. So I developed a little bit of a theory about about Bambi's dad. Oh, all right. As usual, it was making my own fun. Sure. Usually he pops up off screen mm-hmm. and he is introduced into the scene with dialogue of some kind. Right. Usually it's Bambi or some kind of... Um, Stand up. Like turn around or whatever. Like some kind of order that Bambi then reacts to. We don't actually see him like coming and going a whole lot. Your mother can't be with you anymore. Come, my son. And he treats Bambi more like he's a subordinate, like this guy, this weird, mysterious guy in the woods is his boss, mm-hmm. not his dad. Um, which, again, I, I think they're trying to replicate what uh, the relationship would be like in nature. I guess male deer don't raise their young, and fine. I, that's not a serious critique of the movie, that Bambi's dad <laughs> is, is, is strange and absent. Is estranged. Yes, but... I developed this theory that this deer who has apparently been alive for so many more years is actually a ghost. I did hear you say ghost dad a couple of times. I, that was probably when I was developing the theory. Right. I was. Um, I really like the idea that he can only meet with Bambi when certain conditions are met. Like when the man that murdered him is in the woods. That's the only time that his dad oh, can appear. Okay. Or maybe on the full moon or something like that. Sure. So he's more like He's a ghost, specter of the, what could be. That that Christmas ghost. What? The one that can only show up during the two weeks before Christmas. Oh, the becomes, ghost of Christmas present? No, and becomes Pass? corporeal. That I don't crappy know. Netflix movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. <laughs> the holiday the holiday or the inn. That the woman is trying to buy, oh, and there's the guy. There's who, this. Okay, I know exactly. I thought you were talking about a Christmas Carol. No. Um, and I was like, two weeks. I feel like it's one day for most of those. <laughs> this Christmas. No, there's a really bad Netflix, uh, not Netflix, Hallmark, Hallmark movie that we really like called The Spirit of Christmas. That's the one. Where uh, plot is this woman falls in love with a ghost who is not a ghost for the two weeks leading up to Christmas. That's his or curse. I think it's for the twelve days. The twelve days Christmas. of Christmas. He is flesh. Uh, and then so, at the end, so he... that he can figure out who killed him. Yeah, and then once he does, he's not a ghost anymore. So what you're saying is Bambi's dad 
now that they've defeated man... It's spirit of Christmas rules. Yeah. Yeah. Will now become a full corporeal animal. Maybe. Permanently. Maybe. But um, I I don't think that's essential to his journey. I think he's accepted his lot. And I think it's fun to think of Bambi having a ghost dad. That maybe only he can see. Sure. You know? Um, Especially when you think about how is he conceived if this deer is a ghost. (laughs) And I think that Bambi is half ghost... That's maybe why he has certain advantages, like not having an awkward teen phase. And when he gets shot, not dying. Yeah, yeah. See, it all adds up. Sure. Um, Anyway, I was having a lot of fun imagining that they were ghosts. Cool. And that he was being haunted by this strange spectral figure that comes in and out of his life. At one point, seems to take him away on like a a father-son trip. Mm -hmm. We don't know for how long or how present he was for that whole time. I mean, it does feel very much like... Ghost Dad, because it's right after Bambi's mom dies, and Ghost Dad is like, Bambi, come with me. So at least he's like leading him to other deer mm-hmm. or something, like he's leading him to community where he can live. Probably going to fob him off on his stepmother or something like that. Sure, yeah. I guess this, this ghost deer gets around. I was going to say on Feline's, not Feline, sorry's mm-hmm. mother, but <laughs> he does not recognize Feline when she comes back. Mm. Uh, she has to say, hello, I'm Feline. Oh, right. Well, is that because as a ghost deer, he can only recognize his own blood? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's... I also, also don't think he ever met Feline. Yes, he did. They meet... No, no, not Ghost Dad, Bambi. Oh, Bambi. Bambi doesn't recognize Feline when mm. um, they meet in the romance section. Because of the as a ghost deer, he has no concept of time and his memory is faulty. I don't know how ghosts work. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody I know knows how ghosts work, it is you. I wrote my dissertation on ghost fiction. (laughs) But uh, I don't know from ghost years. That's a different, that's a whole different genre, I would imagine. Anyway, so that being said, I think the most memorable part of the movie for me is Bambi's strange relationship with his dad who wanders in and out of the picture, not really as a figure of comfort or love, but as a distinctive image that he must live up to and then replicate. Yeah. So for me, if we're thinking about, I think there are two main themes in Bambi that I would comfortably say stuck out to me. The first is this idea of the cyclical nature of life and Mm -hmm. the fact that Life moves on even when tragedy happens and it's it's unstoppable and nature will always heal itself and regenerate. And that's evidenced through the fact that the movie is structured around the changing of the seasons mm-hmm. that we begin in April and we end, we like we go through in another spring. We end in another some spring point in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and those springs are connected to procreation. Bambi has a child at the end of the movie and his birth opens the movie. Can we talk about the song that's just about procreation? The This little spring song? A gay little I'm, spring song. No, no. You're thinking about the one about the birds. I'm thinking about the one when Bambi and Feline are just like oh. going off. Uh, and I wish I could remember going the off. title of it or the words. Because it's basically like, I want to love you to the climax. Uh, and there's like weird double entendre. Um, Which is weird because in Dumbo, we didn't talk at all about the whole Dumbo is going to be your climax oh, yeah. conversation. There's a whole, there's this whole strange innuendo conversation in Dumbo about how they need a climax for the act. And Dumbo has got to be that the climax. climax. Let's see, I can't find the song. Well, while you're looking, um, I'll just say I think what the second theme is, 
Sure. Um, aside from the the kind of in, the enduring cyclical nature of the natural world, um, even through tragedy and and strife, is um, the unknowability of the father okay. and the the need to or the struggle maybe between becoming one's own man or one's own dear and living up to and recreating the image of your father because there are several shots the last shot of the movie is bambi standing on a cliff as his father did when he was born looking down at his own progeny standing next to his father and then his father walks off and lets bambi occupy the space entirely so that seems to me to be an image that that brackets the movie and suggests that fatherhood in this movie is is about legacy and about finding it doesn't actually seem to be about finding individuality it seems to be about living up to the example set by your father about finding one's place uh-huh and you know what i i and i think that it's not a finding or making one's place it's a your place is your father's place yeah and you must grow into that rather than going out into the world and finding something that fits you right yeah which is an interesting take on fatherhood i guess Maybe. I don't know if any of this is making sense. It is. Sorry, I'm still trying to find this song because the lyrics do not appear on any lyric site. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are only three songs in the movie according to every lyric site, but this is definitely another song and it is definitely... Well, I think that what you're speaking to, maybe, and your inability to remember the song that we just watched, is that this is kind of a musical? Kind of. But I would call it more a movie with songs in that so virtually all of the songs are super incidental and and I would say not memorable. No, although um I did I actually think that the songs are my favorite part. Okay. Of Bambi? How so? In that I just think that they're like pretty little choral songs that I can imagine like community choirs singing. Sure, but um, even then what you like about them is is not in relation to the story. No, not at all. Because so many of the songs are simply, it's yeah, it's narrating various vignettes about the the seasons changing, and the the natural world. What's ha- what happens in the forest when it rains? And there are a lot of these sort of montages that create these little ecosystems that the Disney company animates and puts a choral track over, and it feels like you are drifting through this painted documentary at times, and it feels much more like what they're interested in recreating is the the feeling of being a deer in the forest. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how interested I am in that idea over the course of an hour and a half. That, that I guess, is why this is kind of my least favorite mm-hmm. of what we've seen, is that an hour and a half feels like an awful long time to watch this deer... You know what is interesting, though, and I want to be careful here because there's a part of me that feels like, am I just, am I fully engaging with this movie on its own terms? Am I angry at Bambi? I'm not angry at Bambi. Am I disappointed in the movie because it wasn't what I expected? Because if you think about something like Fantasia, we watched a lot of long shorts that had very minimal plot Mm. and were, were, were themselves focused on on images and long stretches of 
things not necessarily happening, but mood setting and tone. And we loved it. We really enjoyed Fantasia. I think that's true, but I think that Fantasia sets itself up as a project that is going to do that. Um, And maybe, I guess, Bambi might have done that for a contemporary audience, but Mm -hmm. it it feels like it should be more of a narrative film to me. It feels like there's a story here that they weren't interested in exploring, which is the most frustrating thing about Bambi, where all of the the images, again, I'm going to come back to that theme of fatherhood, of his strange relationship with his father that we don't really seem to get a lot of insight into. It's mysterious, and you're not totally sure how he feels about his father, how his father feels about him, what his father feels about his role as the protector of the forest, the responsibility that Bambi may or may not feel as the one who's going to take on this mantle. Mm-hmm. All of these are interesting stories, or interesting setups, rather, that the movie might have pursued, and instead they're much more interested in establishing these pastoral scenes that simply takes us through the life of a deer and ends kind of with a scene where man who has showed up in the forest again starts a fire, and so we have this kind of climactic action scene where Bambi has to prove himself as, as brave and protecting in the same way as his father was earlier in the film when man showed up the first time. Sure. So that it kind of has these tent poles of a character arc, mm-hmm. but the actual in between of the character arc isn't shown because it, he goes off yeah, and comes back. It isn't about his struggle to become his father. It, he just simply becomes his father. Yeah, and it's it's not questioned at all. Mm-hmm. And and maybe the problem is that we are looking for too much in this yeah. movie. Maybe you know what you know what it does make me think actually. I would kind of like to watch Bambi 2, the direct-to-VHS sequel. What is Bambi 2 about? I have no idea, but I have a feeling because it was made so much later, it might follow a more narrative structure. Uh-huh. Uh, and it might give us more of what we wanted in terms of plot and character. It's funny because I, I feel like, particularly when it comes to animation, I don't necessarily need a more traditional narrative structure. Sure. Although I think that Bambi could have used it. Mm-hmm. I I really am the type of person that can enjoy things that are slow or meandering. Mm-hmm. I really like Alice in Wonderland, for example, and that's also very meandering. Mm-hmm. But it, it has an energy and a momentum that I think that Bambi doesn't have. Um, and I think that unless you are really, really into deer and really into the the sort of living paintings that this movie kind of operates as, mm-hmm. then there's just, there's a sense that I'm watching a really nice screensaver yeah. that has been put together by, by really excellent artists and that suggests a scene and has some characters that I recognize, but it is not as a whole a satisfying story. Yeah. And I think, I guess when I say that this is my least favorite, I think what I mean is this is because I, I agree with all of that, and I did think a lot of it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was there was stuff happening that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but overall, it's like, I don't know that I would ever spend another hour and 10 minutes watching this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that, I don't know who I would recommend this to. Sure. Like, I, I don't know anybody who, and it, it's the kind of thing that especially when we talk about Dumbo being the, like, much-needed blockbuster it's the kind of thing that i'm like how did they market this who did they market this to well it's it's interesting to know that this was based on a book 
or adults. Mm -hmm. Because I think that one of the reasons why I said in the beginning that I kind of agree and disagree that this is not so much for kids is that there there are a lot of long sections in the movie where what is kind of carrying us on is cute, right? right? It's the interactions of the little bunnies, of Flower the skunk, mm -hmm. um, rolling around in a field of blossoms. It's Bambi stumbling and bumbling around with his long gangly legs that he keeps locking together. And the appeal of those scenes is that they're very cute and sure. the animals are sweet. And I think that that's something that is not necessarily for adults because there's almost a saccharine quality to it. Sure. Where they, they are very, I will say, very realistic kids. Right. Uh, they feel like they were voiced by real children. I thought that too, which I thought was really interesting mm -hmm. because there were a lot of really great vocal performances. Mm -hmm. um, like I loved, maybe loved is the wrong word here, but I, I was really moved by... Bambi's reaction to his mother's death. Yeah. Where it felt like a kid who was really going through it. seems like it was all child actors. Well, it's this moment that I think stands on the other end of the pole, right? Where you have all of this the, this film time spent on scenes that are, the main appeal is that they're cute. Mm -hmm. And then you have these really um, more mature, difficult scenes such as Bambi's mother dying or Bambi, um, I mean, ma mainly his mother dying. The All of the shots where he's mirrored with his father, again, I find really just cinematically interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but but this really big dramatic uh, scene. The other scene that really struck me was when the pheasants are hiding in the grass. I loved that. It scene. was one scene where I was really emotionally engaged, and it was only like thirty seconds. Yeah. There's this scene where um, we know that man is hunting through the forest, and there's these three pheasant type birds hiding in the grass. Quail hiding in the grass. And one of them is panicking and saying, he's getting closer, he's getting closer, we should fly away. And the other two are saying, no, 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 stay down, don't fly, whatever you do. And she works herself into such a panic that eventually she takes off and is instantly shot and we see her fall and hit the ground. And that little 30 seconds was some of the most emotionally invested I was because mm. it was such a, um, like a primal, like fight or flight type of you just, it was like a little cohesive story. It, it also accomplished in miniature what Bambi wants to accomplish as a whole. Yeah. Which is it shows us a scene that is recognizable as a realistic event. Yeah. Um, that's how you hunt quail, right? Is you walk towards them and eventually they just fly. Yeah. Uh, and then you shoot them. And it humanizes them. Yeah. It, you know quote-unquote humanizes them sure. it allows for empathy for them and it, understanding from their perspective it, it tries to yeah it tries to imagine what's going on in their heads during this moment which is um in the same way that something like black beauty was not originally mm -hmm. meant for children but was appropriated by the nursery right was eventually introduced to children um, I don't know if Bambi is the same type of book, but Disney is carrying on that tradition of more adult stories being repurposed for child audiences, particularly with respect to animals. It, it seems funny, um, especially sort of with early Disney, that they're marketing these sorts of animal stories to kids mm -hmm. um, in the sense that it doesn't feel necessarily like Disney wants to 
um, age down the story. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've sort of come to associate the cartoon and animation with children. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like it's marketed to children in a way that I don't know necessarily that something... Like, this feels more like Fantasia to me Mm -hmm. than, like... um, Than Dumbo? Dumbo. Right. I think that there's a sense that a lot of cartoons, particularly in the 1920s, for example, the Fleischer brothers were making cartoons that the um, artisan and intelligentsia of the day were interested in. They were interested in this new art form because it was evolving alongside film, which is also, um, you know, the new American art form. Mm -hmm. Not that film is exclusive to America, but there's obviously a big booming film industry in America. Um, So there is... I think that it, it, I get the sense that a lot of these were probably marketed as family features. Sure. Right? Like these are these are movies that uh, are appropriate for kids but also are are not exclusively for kids. Right. And so I think that as I think Disney is both a capitalist and an artist. He's both of those things at all times, mm-hmm. right? So I think certainly Bambi feels like a more artistic venture yeah. than a commercial one. I think Dumbo for example is more commercial. Sure. Um, which is not to say that um, I'm drawing a distinction between commercial, bad, artistic, good. I think that's a false distinction. Yeah. All, all, everything he's making ultimately he wants to make a profit on. Yeah. But and everything he's making he wants to make good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he wants to be seen as an artist. Right. Because hopefully one begets the other. Yeah. But I think that it would have been maybe more successful as like a 14 minute short a la Fantasia yeah. because then you could get all of those great. I scenes of Bambi standing in his father's shadow and then ascending the mountain with him, all of the really strong iconography in in Bambi, all of the scenes with the beautiful lighting and the uh, vignettes, you could move through that at a pace that felt like one giant vignette of the life of a deer. Mm-hmm. Because I think maybe what this movie is trying to do is to give us all of these vignettes, really, really immerse us in this environment and this world so that when man enters it, we have a really strong sense of what that world is and we lament it being threatened. Yes. I think ultimately that's what they're trying to do. Yes. And I don't know that we needed an hour and a half to do that, but uh, that seems to be the project here. Yeah, and I... And it's effective in that sense. Yeah. All right, so I found this song... If we want to talk about the adult themes. Okay. Uh, I'll read out some of the lyrics as they come by. I'm seeking that glow, only found when you're young and it's May. Only found on that wonderful day, when all longing is through. I'm seeking that glow, only found when a thrill is complete. Aye, aye, Only aye. found when two hearts gently beat, to the strains of a waltz that's both tender and new. Sure. It's kind of, I mean, so much of the movie is about spring is here and that means we're re- we're reproducing. Mm-hmm. And it's used as the language of love, but it's it's absolutely, the next time we see all of the boy characters, they all have children. Yeah. Right? So it's it's a... 
it reads and feels very much like this is the night I'm losing my virginity. Yeah. The night that all longing is through. Mm-hmm. Um, that a thrill is complete. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I just, like, watching it the first time, I'm shocked that I cannot find the lyrics anywhere but in that moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also not because I was shocked that this song existed because it felt so much more adult than what I was expecting from a Disney musical. Sure. I think it's it's still coy in the way that a lot of songs can be coy. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Like, certainly this this movie is tackling things like maturity and growing up with an understanding that growing up means procreating and fathering, in this case, the next generation. Mm-hmm. And that's... Uh, it's funny because the movie almost recognizes sex in a way that Dumbo absolutely didn't, right? Dumbo right, was the stork right. brings you the baby. Bambi absolutely, as a movie, recognizes and acknowledges sex, but doesn't really seem that interested in in exploring the emotions around it. By right. which I which I don't mean I want I want to experience Bambi's reaction to having sex for the first time. <laughs> absolutely not. Do I want that? But the the emotional complexity of falling in love for the first time, mm-hmm. or becoming a father, or all of these things that are big emotions to humans are not for these deer. And while that might be accurate to nature, it is kind of dissatisfying as a a human audience, I guess. Yeah, and I think especially as a human audience watching a cartoon, Mm -hmm. where I think I'm more more apt to accept it if it was, um, which becomes an eventual Disney project, um, a live documentary. Yeah. um, Which I don't know when Disney begins doing it, but like... I owned all of the explorer adventure movies mm-hmm. as a kid where they're just like out faffing about um, amongst nature, filming lemmings, jumping off a cliff and making up this story that lemmings follow each other. Yeah. That's apparently not true. Yeah. Um, but uh, which, which is interesting too, because we're here arguing like, Oh, th- what they're trying to do is create an accurate nature. Mm-hmm. But of course that's not, that's not what they're doing actually. Right. All of this is still, uh, an imagination or a construction of nature. Yeah, it's, and, that's built around a story. Yeah, is. it's a fantasy of what nature is like when we're not there. Mm-hmm. And I, it feels, I feel kind of lazy, and I don't mean to be when I say it's just not that interesting to me. Because I think that you and I really liked, for example, Fantasia's treatment of the changing of the seasons yeah. and the way that it kind of prompted us to think about the natural world is is full of all of these small wonders Mm -hmm. and this i think is is a similar thing but because it's more literal it's more grounded it's less less engaging for me i i agree and i think it i think part of it for me actually has to do with um the the stillness of a lot of the backgrounds Mm -hmm. um in the way that you've called it very painterly um, it does feel like there are a lot of kind of stock backgrounds that the characters move through. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I really enjoyed about the um, that Fantasia scene is everything is moving constantly. Yeah. And there's this real sense of life. And I think that... In accordance to the music as yeah. well. And I think, that, I think that Bambi loses some of that by being an hour and ten minutes long. And because it's that long, animators can't possibly animate everything moving for that. Yeah. Like it would be inordinately expensive. So maybe let's move on from, I think we've established that we didn't find it super engaging. Sure. Um, the last line in the final song of the movie, 
as Bambi is looking over um, Feline and his two children, whose genders we don't find out, um, I don't think. And the last line of the movie is, love sweet music flows on. Mm-hmm. What do you think that means in the context of this movie? I mean, I think that you're right that this movie is very much about the natural life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for me, it just means like we're back where we started and we are to understand that it will continue in this way uninterrupted into the future. Mm-hmm. Or rather that it should move uninterrupted into the future. Of course, we've got the threat of man and like the the destruction of the entire forest mm-hmm. from a single campfire yeah, uh, seemingly immediately. Mm-hmm. But even like I was shocked kind of when we panned back after the fire right before we get to Bambi's children when we've got Thumper and his kids getting friend Owl to come with them where you can see the burnt ashes in the back mm-hmm. and it's green and it's yeah. lush. And I just was like, how long has it been since this fire? Like I just had a moment of like, yeah. I think that's kind of indicative of Bambi in general is that you have these big dramatic moments, but the aftermath is something that they are not interested in at all. There, there is no interest in what do you do in the aftermath of trauma, both in terms of Bambi's mother dying and in terms of the fire mm-hmm. at the end. The message is life goes on, but it doesn't explore what it means for life to go on. So I bring up the final line because it seems strange to me to emphasize not that life flows on but love sweet music Mm -hmm. and on the one hand maybe that's simply a reference to sex and life being the the creation of new life Mm -hmm. but on the other hand do you think that love is a theme in this movie i think that i mean all of the songs reference love Mm -hmm. all of the songs think about the relationship between spring and love in particular yeah i don't know necessarily i guess we like we have the mother's love Certainly. Mm-hmm. And that like there is there is more of a relationship between Bambi and his mother than the rest of this sort of dispassionate continuance of nature might suggest. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a relationship between Feline and Bambi. I'm actually really happy that we get the scene of them as kids mm-hmm. first because it at least gives some context to their romance. Yeah. Uh, in a way that Flower and Thumper's wives they just get female versions of themselves that they that giggle at them and then they kiss and that's the entirety of their romance yeah very instinctual and perhaps not even romance because at the end neither of them have their lady friends with them that's true neither thumper nor flower uh who is a male character i always thought was a female character as a kid even though clearly not Mm because when Bambi comes back, they all have male voices. But at the same time, they're the ones raising the kids, Mm -hmm. which seems to be opposite to how this very... um, Matriarchal. Not matriarchal, I would say, but traditional system works in the sense that usually in nature, it is the the female parent raising the children purely because they're the ones that give birth, mostly. And, And I mean, we get Thumper's mother. Yeah. We never see any parents or siblings there's almost a total absent actually of fathers in general i was thinking of it more as bambi's father but can you think of another father or even just male animal that wasn't a child in this movie i mean we have um friend owl he's kind of celibate and hateful of 
of love and marriages. She feels very, like, priestly, almost. Okay, kind of asexual. Yeah, in the sense that he's, like, he's the center of knowledge for this, for this forest, really. Uh-huh. Um, and he's, like, completely uninterested in sex. Yep. Makes a big deal about the fact that he's completely uninterested and finds it a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me felt a little bit like the lady doth protest too much. Mm. But far be it for me to suggest that he can't get laid. <laughs> so, but I guess so. Because I, I, part of me feels like, okay, thinking about how the mother is positioned in Dumbo as this one unconditional form of love that is available to you in life Mm -hmm. that the mother's love is ultimately the strongest and most powerful love and in this movie i don't think that's true in the same way where the mother loves him obviously and protects him but the relationship is severed dramatically and then the mother is virtually forgotten for the rest Mm -hmm. of the movie and i think what i keep struggling with is that the movie has these two core themes of the unknowability of the father and the continual cyclicality of nature. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they should work together somehow. And I'm trying to put my finger on how. How that you, as a part of this natural cycle of the world, will never understand your parents until you replicate their experiences, until you are a parent. Maybe. Um, I, I actually, thinking about what I remember of Bambi 2, think that that might be like largely the plot. Interesting. Um, it's about Bambi with his two children. Oh. Um, and the two children are the protagonists. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I thought it was about him and his father. Oh, maybe it is. I don't think we actually know what happens in no. Bambi 2. <laughs> um, but I don't know, because I feel like, again, I feel like it doesn't have... As we've said a bunch of times, I don't think that this text is invested in recognizing deep emotional experience. No, the themes are almost entirely visual themes, mm-hmm. right? Like it's the image of the the rain coming down and nourishing the earth. And it's the image of the fire tearing everything down. And it's the image of things being brought being built back up again Mm -hmm. so uh, maybe the reason why we're struggling is that we are approaching it from a literary perspective as opposed to simply taking it as an extended series of visual themes maybe Maybe. (laughs) i feel like i'm really struggling with this one more so than the rest yeah i mean i think really it's just um it reminds me a lot actually of late 19th early 20th century russian short stories that are more about exploring that impression of nature Mm -hmm. that are really about just like giving you a picture of what nature looks like and sort of resting on the cyclicality of it Mm -hmm. and like when all of that green comes back it is very much like life just continues yeah i think maybe for me the the love there is what the human chorus is putting on it. Mm -hmm. I think that the human chorus is trying to make this more relatable 
to a human experience by interpreting the seasons mm-hmm. through the emotion of love. It's it's interesting to think of the chorus being at odds with the rest of the movie mm-hmm. in that really what we're getting with the chorus is this encroaching of human voices, mm-hmm. right? Where we don't, we have the animal voices being translated to us. But the, the songs themselves, I think you're right, are more constructed. And it, it might be, maybe it's pointing us to the idea that ultimately... We are like ascribing these things to nature that aren't naturally found there. Like that that complexity of emotion, the way that animals, maybe the way that animals work through trauma is is just not what we expect it to be. Maybe it is going away for a while and coming back. Yeah. And maybe that's that's what it looks like for animals. And we're trying to put a human lens on it. I don't know. I feel like I'm losing the, the plot here a little bit. With this, but I like the idea that the chorus is is the human world trying to interpret and make sense of what we're seeing in nature, mm-hmm. um, according to our own experiences. And not just according to our own experiences, but like and following the rules and mores of nineteen forties civil society. Sure. Um, where it is, it does have all that coyness, mm-hmm. um, and is not interested in looking explicitly at what is happening, but sort of gives us a sense of what is happening in that way that art, like it makes me think of modernist poetry, where it's just shoring fragments together Mm -hmm. and letting the meaning come from those two things coexisting. And making you do the work of what does this mean and why is this important. As we're kind of trying to do as we struggle to find the core themes of Bambi. Yeah, and I think for me it's more just that these are some fragments sewn together that speak to each other but don't necessarily come to a clean conclusion. Sure, as arguably the natural world doesn't, right? Like Mm -hmm. life doesn't come to a clean conclusion and so art doesn't necessarily have to be held to that standard either sometimes. As much as a three-act structure is nice, uh, it's not the only way to tell a story. Yeah. For sure. No, do we want to talk a little bit about man? Yeah. Um, Where I like... The threat of man, it, one thing that is very interesting to me is that um, man seemingly hibernates too. Okay. Uh, and that as spring returns, man is out also looking for food after fasting for the winter. Right. Um, and so there's, uh, as much as man is the predator that is coming to attack the deer uh, and the other um, animals in the forest there does seem to be a sort of alignment mm-hmm. between, for me between man and animal. Right. That In that we don't see man hunt during the winter. Right. There is no threat of man mm-hmm. until spring's returned. Yeah, although you made the point that man, the, we don't actually see man throughout the entire movie. It's an entirely absent character. So it's more like the idea of man mm-hmm. that is haunting these, this wood than a specific man. Um, you made the point that he seems to be shooting indiscriminately at, at anybody yeah, and anything that gets in his way. Including, there's a scene where he shoots at a chipmunk. <laughs> um, where he's shooting at a bunch of other animals, um, but shoots at a chipmunk in its hole. And I just had a moment of like, why would you ever shoot a chipmunk? What are you going to do with that chipmunk, because, even if you get it? Yeah. Because there's not enough meat on a chipmunk really to eat. Like, at least a squirrel you can eat sure um like it's one of those things that i think about if this is supposed to be early man and i think that the text leads us to believe that it's um oh really 
I didn't get that impression. No, by early man, I mean like like 17th, 18th century man. Man oh. pre, pre-modern time, pre-modern uh, technology, I guess. I didn't really think about that, to be honest. I didn't get that impression in particular. I sort of got the sense that he's like Gaston. Well, I, you know what? I think that the, what we might be circling here is this idea that he's all man, right? That sure. he is man from all decades and man has always hunted. Sure. And that's, that's the relationship of man to nature, whether it's uh, the 1700s, whether it's the 1940s. Right. Man has always hunted I and guess, always been this presence and this threat in the natural world. Yeah. Yeah. I guess for me, it just feels like it's not necessarily sport hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, although the use of dogs kind of undermines Like 10,000 dogs that yeah. he lets loose. Yeah. Gosh. And that terrifying, terrifying scene. It's mm-hmm. one of the few times in my life that I've been happy that a dog has been hurt on <laughs> yeah. screen. Because I still wasn't happy. I think I was like, no, when the dogs, yeah, I... there's one scene where Bambi escapes dogs by throwing rocks on them yeah. or kicking rocks onto them. I still, I don't like seeing dogs hurt at, at yeah. any point, but, but I think, I deer's think for... got a, deer's got a deer, I guess. Yeah. I think for me, one thing that is interesting is the way that man, the way that man is that indiscriminate threat. The climax of the movie is man leaves a fire going and it, hits one tree and all of a sudden the entire forest is on fire which is like logically impossible given well, that... i mean i don't know like we've seen firecrackers start huge huge forest fires before it's true but usually that's in a drought usually sure. that takes place when the forest is drier mm-hmm. um but this is a lush green forest and you have to get through a lot of wet wood before you could start a fire that Well, big. it feels like the metaphor here is that man is so careless and has no idea the the danger and the destruction that they're wreaking right. on this forest, where leaving your fire unattended, you know, they have no perception of, of what? the damage that's going to do. Yeah. One thing I found out when I was researching with respect to man is that Walt Disney originally wanted to show man... Right. Dying in the fire that he had made oh. as a kind of a dramatic irony, I guess. Right. Or irony. Um, but then they decided that they wouldn't show man at all, which I think was a good choice. I agree. I think that it's kind of implied that man is probably killed in this fire. Yeah, I mean, I'm genuinely shocked that Bambi and his dad don't die in the fire because they seem suddenly surrounded by it. Mm-hmm. And like, one, the fire spreads so quickly. Mm-hmm. And two, it's just everywhere yeah and i just kept thinking like there's no way they're going to get out of this that even when they're climbing through the stream where are they even gonna go yeah yeah and well even they they climb up upstream or for a couple of moments and then there's the huge fire there and it's like i i just had a moment of like is this fire so powerful that it like is overtaking the water like how is this Mm -hmm. uh like i was just thinking about the physics of it yeah yeah but I suppose then if we're following the metaphor, like ultimately it's not enough to destroy nature. Mm-hmm. And nature again comes back and it love flows, uh, love sweet music flows on or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever the damn line is. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder maybe if that's just love is a, like a more poetic way of talking about man's perpetuation of themselves life you mean yeah Yeah. that like love is necessarily connected to procreation Mm -hmm. so it the act of love is reproduction and so reproduction of the natural world is love right yeah um 
Maybe. In a way that, that makes I think, sense. In a way that I think like the film the film doesn't really support in the sense that like the all of nature feels much more dispassionate mm-hmm. than that. But I think is like here's a human lens trying to mm-hmm. trying to make this understandable. Well, I'm, and it might also be the, the sensibility of the 1940s, right? Right. That they cannot come out and say life endures because we continue making new life. Right. But I think that the implication and the way that they're using love is ultimately the message of this movie is nature and life will always endure and mm-hmm. find a way to go on. Yeah. Whether or not that's human life. Yeah. That could mean the life of the plants or the life of the earth or the life of the animals or the life of whatever creatures will follow us once the human race is extinct. And I think, and I mean, I think the other theme really that we've sort of ignored a little bit here is like man has the, man has the potential to like really screw up nature. Mm -hmm. So like be careful. Yeah. And like think about your hunting. Think about, Mm -hmm. um, and so it's almost like it's sort of a proto-environmentalist text that, that is asking humans to live in balance. With... And to and to think about, you know, if you're hunting, maybe don't shoot at every damn chipmunk you see. Yeah. Maybe take what you need. Yeah. In the same way that these animals take what they need. Yeah. In a way that allows for the perpetuation of life. Which if 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 you think about people that hunt for for food and for nourishment and people that are conscious of the fact that not overhunting, mm-hmm. I think that's what people that would consider themselves ethical hunters if yeah. such a thing exists would would say is that this we can participate in this circle of life but we need to be mindful that we are not taking more than we need mm-hmm. which i i mean i don't know much about hunter culture to be honest but i i think i mean i think it's a long range uh but i think definitely there are um there are people who consider themselves ethical hunters mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of um, indigenous practices hunters mm-hmm. uh, operate under that sort of yeah. understanding of um, of hunter the hunters human hunters place in the world as like just part of the balance, right? Um, and, and things are all connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that makes sense. I'm actually kind of surprised that we've managed to get m- almost an hour in about Bambi, <laughs> mostly because we're we've been flailing around a little bit trying to come up with a thesis about it. Yeah. But I think really ultimately we might be trying to make this too complicated. I think it really is just a fairly simple visual metaphor for the fact that life will always endure and yeah. and continue. Yep. And and it shows us. It sort of takes that long luxurious look at what life looks yeah. like. Yeah. And. If you're willing to bask in the luxury of it, like, it is the kind of thing that I'm, I guess for me, the reason why it's my least favorite is, like, I enjoyed the hour and ten minutes, but I never want to do it again. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. Um, I, I certainly was not angry at the movie, certainly did not feel like it was bad. Just kind of felt like, you know, sometimes you read a story or you read a poem and really the most you get out of it is when you're talking about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten more out of this conversation than I did from the actual movie. Yeah. But the movie is also the event that allowed me to yeah. have that conversation. So in that sense, I guess, I'm I'm grateful that you were willing to talk to me about Bambi for an yeah, hour. Thank you for talking to me. I did make the comment at one point, um, do you think we're the only people in the world watching Bambi right now? I said no. You said no, but has your answer changed? No, I I genuinely think that in the current global quarantine, mm-hmm. I think that 
everybody is watching everything on every streaming platform right now. That's fair. So there's, there's there are some Bambi heads out there. Yeah, there is no way. Because Bambi also feels like the kind of thing... Like, Bambi is iconic in a way that I'm surprised because it doesn't necessarily feel like the kind of movie you want to watch with your kid. It doesn't. But I, I wonder if part of it is just the the shock of the mother's death being so maybe one of the first examples of a cartoon that allows you to have a discussion with your children about the nature of death mm-hmm. in a way that is not overwhelming or scary. Yeah. It's it's kind of, um, you know, her death isn't shown. We just hear a gunshot and she doesn't follow Bambi yeah. off screen. Um, so it, that might be one reason why it's endured is that it is, it's a, it's a useful tool for parents to talk to their children about, about death and what it means for life to endure. Sure. That we're all going to die one day, kid. Yeah. But it's okay because life goes on and that's, that's the way of things. That's the nature of things. Yeah. I guess, I guess for me, it's just the kind of thing that like, like, I don't think my parents ever showed us Bambi. I know we owned it on VHS because I can see the VHS cover in my head, but I think I actually remember my mom being like, I hate Bambi. Yeah. My mom had a lot of opinions about the Disney movies. And I just remember her her being like, no, Bambi. We're not watching Bambi. Yeah. Which I guess meant that I wanted to watch Bambi, though. It's a cultural icon. It's something that you think about, I guess. Sure. Um, anyway, so that that's our discussion about Bambi, I suppose. Yeah. Core themes of Bambi, unknowability of the father, the enduring nature... The enduring power of, of life to continue through trauma and through strife and through destruction. And the terrible power that we have as human beings to disrupt the natural world and the care that we ought to take of it. Do you think that sums it up? I think that sums it up. All right. Well, we have wandered through the forest and evaded several <laughs> metaphorical gunshots to uh, come out the other side of the Bambi experience. And now we give you our baby... Deer. What? This is our baby. How dare me? I can't believe you bought me a baby deer during a global quarantine <laughs> and brought it into our house. It's so cute. <laughs> wow. All right. Let's make sure that nobody shoots me now. All right. I guess I am assuming that I'll be the mother in this case. Call you mother. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. We are coming back next time with another Disney anthology movie. Yeah. Saludos, amigos. All right. Uh, the first of the two journeys through latin america i will say after dumbo and bambi i am looking forward to getting back to more shorts yeah yeah so we will see you then and take care of yourselves all right bye bye